welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, we were a little late with our episode this week, so we have four games to recap. And I thought, I guess I'll do the first two games, and then I'll give Michael the incredibly crazy games at the end of the week. Um, hey, the Blackhawks started the week uh, playing the Devils um, on Thursday night. And the Devils, not a very good team, but the Blackhawks had lost to them earlier in the year, and it did not get off to a very good start. Uh, the Devils scored two goals immediately to take a 2 nothing lead. Um, and it was not looking good, but then Patrick Kane scored with about a minute left in the first period, and after that, the Blackhawks kind of took off. Um, they scored a, about, I would say... But the next four goals after no next three goals. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't actually watch this game, so I'm not going to be able to help you much with the details on it. Yeah, they scored the next five goals unanswered. That's right. Just double check. Yeah, they. So the Devils' defense not good, and despite the slow start, the Blackhawks pretty much turned it on down the stretch and did what they had to do and beat a bad team. Uh, then Saturday, they played the Blue Jackets, who are a very up-and-down team. You never know what Blue Jackets you're going to get from uh, game to game. And the Blackhawks got the good Blue Jackets, uh, especially their old friend uh, Artemi Panarin, who had a huge game. But the Blackhawks just could not, they could not handle the Blue Jackets' speed in this game. They kind of hung around, you know, got it to within... 3-2, but then the Blue Jackets just turned it on and uh, they yeah, the Hawks, pretty easy. Yeah, the Hawks had some chances to keep the game close, but uh, Bobrovsky had a really solid game. He was making, he, he, he really kept the Hawks from you know, the game of it. Yeah, and it was the second period, the Blackhawks actually played very well. They went into the period down 3-1, but they just they could only get one goal, and then the Blue Jackets just finished them up in the third period. So um, I'll kick it to you, Michael, now for the other two games. Yeah, uh, the uh, Blackhawks uh, uh, got to take on the struggling Ottawa Senators, uh, definitely one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they got them at home. And wow, what a wild and crazy first period. It was it was just insane. Both goalies were um you know, you can't even blame it completely on the goalies, but the the, the goalies did not help out their their struggling defensive cores at all. Um basically I, I think I tweeted about two minutes into the game, it was like this is basically just a race to see which coach gets fed up with their poor defensive effort and yanks their goalie to send a message to their team. And I think like two minutes after that, uh, the Blackhawks did indeed pull Colin Delia. And then a couple of minutes after that, uh, the senators ended up pulling, um, was it Anders Nelson? I think former Blackhawk and replaced him with, former Blackhawk Craig Anderson. 
But yeah, this was, it was insane. Uh, Ottawa scored two very quick goals off of Delia in the first three minutes of the game. And then Alex DeBrinkett came back and scored his 30th and 31st of the year uh, within uh, probably two or three minutes of that. And then it was just kind of back and forth a little bit where Ottawa took the three to two lead. And that's when, um, Colleton, uh, yanked Delia and the Blackhawks responded and Kane and Strom both scored. Um, and then I think that was actually when, uh, Ottawa pulled, um, Nilsson and, but, uh, Anderson came in and it, it didn't really change things much right off the bat or Brandon Sod scored his 20th. Um, Ottawa did hang around, and uh, Mark Mark Stone scored his 28th. Uh, he's a guy that's going to be kind of a big name at the trade deadline here. Uh, one of the better two-way players in the league, having a real good year for Ottawa, and he's a pending free agent, and they're obviously struggling. Um, Matt Duchesne's kind of the, the bigger name on that team that's in a similar situation, but uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, Stone's actually the better player. But yeah, that capped off the scoring in the first period, and it was a five to four, not so a nine total goal first period, and I think it was on like twenty total shots between the two teams. It was just defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown, uh, bad goals by the goalies. It was it was just insane. Um, and then you know you open up the second period, and Ottawa tied it up pretty much right away. Uh, to make it five to five. Uh, but thankfully the Blackhawks responded with a couple of goals. Uh, I think kind of in the second half of the period to, you know, extend their lead or, you know, recapture the lead and then extend it out to seven to five. Uh, they went into the third period and uh, they added once again, they got a power play goal from Jonathan Taves to you know give him a three goal lead but even a three goal lead with 15 minutes left in the game didn't seem very safe with the way that um, both teams were playing and sure enough Ottawa scored a pair of goals over the next 10 minutes or so to narrow the lead to eight to seven but over the last five minutes, the Hawks tightened up a little bit. The Senators certainly did have a couple of late chances, but Cam Ward came up big enough in those in that just at the end uh, after struggling through most of the game. But um, you know, it was enough, and it obviously wasn't a pretty victory. But and you'd like to see the Hawks, you know, actually beating up on a bad team. But hey, you're going to take any victories you can at this point. Yeah, you know, big, funny, yeah, funny. You should mention that thinking of the game that you're about to recap. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar situation. This time it was on the road as opposed to at home. Uh, but yeah, the Hawks traveled to Detroit, taking on another one of the bottom dwellers of the Eastern conference. And it, the, the Hawks did get off to a good start um, as far. Well, I shouldn't, I hate to even say a good start. They got uh, probably five shots on goal in the first period, I think, 
or at least through the majority of the first period. But the one, the shots that they got were all very high quality. And, you know, we've talked about it. They, there's so many guys that just have a, a hot hand going right now. Uh, Anisimov scored his 10th uh, on kind of a broken play. Uh, he got a steal from a defenseman who wasn't paying close enough attention, kind of snuck up on him from behind and then uh, snuck the puck in uh, from the goalie who wasn't prepared for his defenseman to cough off the puck. Uh, and then Brandon Saad and Alex Dabrinkit scored uh, some big goals late in the first period uh, to give the Hawks a three to one lead after the first. And you thought, okay, you know, especially uh, once the second period started and Patrick Kane scored his 37th goal of the year, um, extending his point streak to uh, 18, 19 games. I can't remember exactly which one. 19, I think. 19, yeah. And so at that point, you got a four to one lead. And, you, you know, you're just kind of hoping, okay, maybe the Hawks can actually show, you know, tighten up the defense a little bit and ride this out. But, boy, no, the 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 Wings just kind of kept attacking and the Blackhawks had no counterattack whatsoever. Um, they were not generating any offense. And it just it, it, it became obvious kind of in the third period that the Wings weren't going away and it just seemed like kind of a – inevitable for them to that they were going to come back and sure enough Dylan Larkin who was flying all around the ice all game uh, scored to make it four to two and then Andres Antonisiu scored a pair of goals Uh, one of them was on a power play and then scored with under two minutes left uh, to tie it up at four Thankfully, the Hawks were able to hold on just at the end to make sure they got a point out of it and send it to overtime. And then, you know, the 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 Mr. OT, um, well, I shouldn't even say Mr. OT because we got a, a pair of guys who tend to come up pretty large in overtime, and that's uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Uh, in this game, it was, it was Kane. Uh, scored his second goal of the game, 38th on the year. Uh, did not get an assist in this game, which snapped his assist streak at 18 games, which is um, tied for the third longest, I think, in NHL history. But he did score the two goals, and so he's second in the league in goals and second in the league in points um, behind Ovechkin in goals and uh, Kucherov in points. And obviously just playing out of his mind right now. And yeah, so they 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 got their second point, which is obviously huge. It put them into a tie with the Avalanche for the final playoff spot in the West. Now the Avalanche do have a game in hand, so they're technically still uh, holding on to that spot. But I guess we can kind of segue into the previews a little bit because. You know, that's what we got coming up on Friday night is a showdown between the Avalanche and the and the Blackhawks. And uh, you know, obviously that's for to jockey for position there. And uh, what are the Blackhawks are fifteen and two or something in their last seventeen games or something crazy. I can't I it it's just pretty amazing the way that they're scoring goals right now. And you know, they're just they're scoring one more goal than what the opposition is able to get off of them 
and yeah, it, I don't know what you. <laughs> I, I'm kind of babbling over these last couple of games where it's just been such crazy back and forth stuff. Um, yeah, it's like we're like in a like 1980s, like early 90s yeah, type of just run and gun. Yeah, and I guess because we can get to the previews in a little bit, but um, just like I mean, I don't think uh, how long has Kane been on the Blackhawks since '09. Wait, oh wait. Okay, so about ten seasons. Is this the best he's ever played for the Blackhawks? Because I think it might be. I think offensively, it is the best he's played. Um, The one caveat I want to put to it is scoring is up around the league this year, and then also. I mean, even though he's been playing with some pretty good players this year, for the most part, you know, I mean, we've seen him getting paired with, you know, washed up centers like uh, Hanzus and Brad Richards and some guys like that in his career. And he's been able to carry those lines Uh, this year, even when, you know, he's obviously outscoring the competition, but there's been so many times where the ice gets slanted into the Blackhawks end, even when Kane is on the ice. So uh, on five on five, his line has been getting outshot all year. Um, but yeah, as far as his offensive play, his finishing ability, I mean, like I said, he's second in the league in goals this year. You know, uh, you know, when you compare to what he was 10, 10, 11 years ago when he first came into the league where his shot was probably, a little subpar and he was very much a pass first guy. Um, that is no longer the case. He is not just a creator. He is a finisher and yeah, uh, offensively. Absolutely. This is the best he's ever played. I think yeah, we, you know, we were talking about what was that a few weeks ago? We were like, you know, back in the days when the Blackhawks weren't going to even be in the playoff race, but we were talking mm-hmm. about, what you know? What should we watch for the rest of the year? What are some things to you know root for? And we're like, well, you know, it might be cool to see Kane or Debrinket get forty goals. They might get forty goals before this month is over. Yeah, yeah. I, it, well, Kane, I think probably has a pretty good shot at it. I mean, he's at thirty-eight now. Uh, Debrinket's still down at. 33 so probably a little tough to ask for him to get to that uh over the next uh um seven days but um yeah uh it seems very likely that the hawks will end up with a pair of 40 goal scorers um jonathan Taves even has an outside shot at it uh, depending on how things go um uh, Brandon Sod's gotten to 20. Dylan Strom's gotten to 15. Well, actually, Brandon Sod's gotten to 21 now. Uh, Dylan Strom's gotten to 15. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, the, those top two lines uh, have, have certainly been producing of late. And um, Sod getting moved down to that third line hasn't affected his output. Uh, if anything, he's showing a little bit more initiative and being kind of the guy to carry a line as opposed to, uh, I think sometimes he um, deferred to Taves or Kane 
uh, depending on who he was playing with at times. But right now he's being very assertive on that third line. And there are times where he gets the puck in the neutral zone and he just attacks. Doesn't matter if it's one on two. And sometimes he's just beating defensemen either with speed to the outside or power to the inside and he's getting chances and he's, he's capitalizing on them right now. Yeah. That'd be, it's kind of one of those, like if you told me before the season that Saad would score 30 goals, I would have been, I wouldn't say like super surprised because he's done that before, mm-hmm. but I certainly didn't think it was a likely scenario, especially after last season. So it's pretty, yeah, yeah. turned it around. Yeah. I would have been very happy with 25 goals out of him, but yeah, he's got, he's got an outside chance at 30 this year. And you know, it, like I said, I think it's especially surprising given that um, even though he has spent the majority of the year uh, up in the top six, you know, right now he's down on, he's down on the third line and still producing. So uh, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, a big for the team. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been frightening of late on the back end, um, especially with Seabrook, uh, out for the past two games with an abdominal injury. Uh, the Blackhawks are essentially icing a defensive unit with Duncan Keith, Connor Murphy, uh, Eric Gustafson, and then a bunch of AHL caliber defensemen. And it, it's showing. Um, it's, it's, it's real. Uh, the, the struggles from, uh, from Forsling, Cuckoo, um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody too, but um, well, Dahlstrom hasn't been as good as he was. Yeah. You know, he got off to that pretty good start getting paired with Murphy, but the last 10 games or 15 games from him, have, uh, he's kind of fallen off. Uh, he is uh, turning the puck over a little bit more. He's getting beat one-on-one a little bit more. And uh, yeah, that, that, that experiment of that, that duo as a shutdown pairing uh, isn't holding up uh, like, like it early indications, uh, you know, thought we, you know, we, we, the first impressions were that that might've worked, but uh, I think, I think we're, we're seeing now that uh, Dahlstrom really isn't uh, an answer as a top four guy. Um, He might be good enough to, to fill out a, a, you know, a bottom pairing role at some point, but you know, the Blackhawks are, are really struggling with really just two reliable defensemen. Which of course at this yeah, point. Which of course leads to the, you know, million dollar question that some people are starting to ask. Uh Henry Yokiharu. Like, mm-hmm. isn't it time that maybe I mean I know there's a truth about playing time, but it's getting maybe they should give him a shot because it's not working right now with these guys. Yeah. Um it's definitely um it's definitely something they need to keep keep in the in the back of their mind as they are progressing here. I mean, the team has continued to win, so it you know I think they can convince themselves that oh the, you know the longer we can draw this out, the longer he can stay down in the AHL and get um, you know first pairing minutes and get power play time. I know that's a big thing that they wanted to get out of him was he was starting to not be quite as, as assertive in the offensive zone. And so I, I think a a big part of uh, getting them in this exposure down in Rockford is just 
letting him regain a little confidence in his offensive abilities. So, you know, I think they want to stick with that as long as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the Blackhawks, I mean, the Blackhawks have been beating up on some bad teams and barely scraping by, you know, now we're competing against Colorado and Dallas who are our direct competition holding those last two playoff spots over the next two games. If these two games don't go well, um, you know, they, they really might have to consider uh, bringing Yoki Haru back up. Or if these two games go disastrously, maybe you just say, eh, maybe this just isn't our year. And, you know, you just kind of prioritize doing whatever they think is best for Yoki Haru, whether that is staying in the AHL or not. Um, but yeah, he would certainly, if he can, you know, but again, he was kind of like Dahlstrom in where his first 15, 20 games, you know, it looked a lot better and then it's play started falling off. Yeah. He was getting, like you were saying, he was like Dahlstrom getting kind of where the guys blow, blow by him on the outside a little bit. Yeah. We're so we were starting to see, um, you know, not just them going by on the outside, but he was starting to get, um, overwhelmed physically at times. And then, like I said, he just, he wasn't showing, he wasn't being as aggressive, uh, with carrying the puck and yeah, it, you know, it, it, he's a 19 year old defenseman, you know, it's, it's tough to ask somebody like that you know, to, to be a top pairing guy, which is essentially what he was for the first quarter of the season for this team. And, you know, that's going to be, if they call him back up, that's almost going to be what the expectation is, is, you know, we're struggling. We need somebody, you know, essentially to be a savior for us. And that's, that's a tough burden to put on a 19 year old. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how this ends up playing out with him. Yeah. Now speaking of the young guys, um, Dylan Sakura has been up for the past few games and, you know, he's been all right, but he, you, you've noticed like a few turnovers that are yeah. not good, but I mean, he's been, that line has looked good with an Isimov side in him. So it's interesting. Yeah, the, anyway, the, the, the past few games, uh, I've been a little more encouraged with him. Uh, I think he's uh, playing a little bit tougher on the puck um, not getting knocked off quite as easily, not uh, protecting the puck a little better. But yeah, like you said, you, you're still seeing, you know, a, a, a few turnovers that drive you nuts a little bit. But the one thing I will say is, at least in the last couple of games, I, I, I tried to pay a little bit more attention to him. And he has seemed to at least been putting in effort in the defensive zone, which is encouraging for me. He's not coasting on just trying to be an offensive player and he doesn't seem to be, you know, flying the zone and pressing, trying to, cause he's still without a, a, a goal in the NHL after I, he's got to be close to 20 games now. So you, you know, he's got to be feeling that pressure. Um, yeah. And he's had a few like, Really, like great chances, golden like, chances, yeah, yeah. And you're like, one of them's got to go in eventually. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's been playing a little better than his numbers indicate. I mean, I think he's got like four or five assists, and obviously no goals. Um, I, I, I think he's been playing a little bit better than that, especially of late. But, um, 
Yeah. If they, you know, we've, we've talked, the, these top guys can't keep up this pace forever. We're going to start needing a couple of other guys to step up. So hopefully uh, we can start seeing him, you know, maybe once that first one goes in, it might open the floodgates a little bit for him. And it'll be tough since he doesn't get any power play time, but you know, we really, really need somebody else in that bottom six to step up besides just sod and Anisimov him off on occasion. Yeah. So we'll do one more thing before we do the preview. Um, I don't know if you read the article, uh, the interview with Marion Hosa. I did. I did. Yeah, that was a really, I read it too. It was really interesting. Yeah. It, it just, it, but also, I guess my main point of bringing it up, up is um, like, he's got to be a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, I'd be mad if he wasn't. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I get the argument for the, the, the people who want, to keep a small hall that uh you know that that argument that you know he he doesn't have any individual trophies and in all honesty he was never particularly close to ever winning an individual trophy but you know you compare him to other guys who have made made the hall you know somebody like dave andertruck who has a similar number of goals um and uh, Joe Mullen is another guy kind of in this uh, similar and you look at Hosa being that type of that same type of offensive player but then uh, you know also bringing the defensive effort and reliable two-way play and the amount of energy he spent in that defensive zone and the neutral zone um, I, yeah I, I think he's you know a no doubt Hall of Famer in that regard now you know, obviously, we're, it's going to be a little while before we know because he still has two years on his contract before he can officially retire. And, you know, and then I don't even remember what the waiting period is for NHL players. So, yeah, I mean, we're still a little ways away from that, but I would expect it's, you know, just a matter of time for him. Yeah, and that's, you know, I haven't gotten to many Blackhawks games, but I did go to one um, like uh, about three years ago. It was right before they played the Blues in the playoffs. But um, if if people have never never saw like Marion Hosta play in person, like wow, you should watch like because I yeah. you know I I never you know you'd watch on TV and stuff, but I was at the game and I just I watched him for a couple shifts. That guy worked harder than anyone I'd ever seen on the ice. It was amazing how much effort he gave. And they went over the bench and he was just like you just see him gasping for breath. And I was like after I watched the game in person, I was like. My respect level for him just went through the roof. It was amazing. Yeah, you really get a a, a a new appreciation for guys like that when you when you see him in person, and for whatever reason, it 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 just sticks out more. Um, not just the effort level, but the 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 power and relentlessness that he played with, um, and the speed too. I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately with the Blackhawks, we were. You know, we were mostly seeing him at the end of his career, but um, kind of that first year or two he was here, um, he still kind of had that that explosive speed to go along with the explosive, uh, or I should, uh, you know, to go along with the power and the ability to protect the puck. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just he was so smooth and so powerful at the same time. Uh, he was definitely. Um, 
you know, one of my two favorite players. I think we talked about that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks back when, uh, during the all-star break, when we, we kind of went over who our favorite players were and, uh, you know, definitely of this, this, you know, the cup era, uh, Hosa and, and Jalmerson were, 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 were my two guys. And it was, yeah, it was, for me, it was definitely that reliability and that relentlessness from Hosa that I always appreciated. Yeah, and but the people at home, you should read this uh, article. It's in the Athletic if you subscribe Absolutely. to the Athletic. But the stuff he went through, like the last few years of his career, with the skin conditions of wow, yeah. that I we didn't know any of that story. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, they you know, and they bring that up in the article that you know they were pretty secretive about it. That uh, you know we heard for years that you know Hosa was taking practices off for maintenance days. Um, but we always just kind of assumed that it was, you know, he's just an aging guy. He, he he did have some back issues at times. So it was just, you know, it was just kind of assumed that that's what it was. But, you know, obviously now we know the whole story where it was just, there were days where, you know, it just wasn't worth it for him to put on pads because it was going to be agony for him. So, yeah, uh, you know, it certainly sounds like he, he he feels like he made the right decision at the right time for retirement, and he seems content, um, judging by what we, you know, got in the article. So, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he was, you know, obviously he was a guy that was chasing a cup there for a while, and you know, he seems to have been a consummate professional through it out throughout all of it. And so, yeah, I just I, he obviously got the cups at the end of his career. And, you know, that probably put a, um, any doubt of whether he was a Hall of Famer to rest. Um, you know, he's a, maybe not the key guy, but, you know, certainly he was that, that final piece for the Hawks that kind of put them over the top. Yeah, and when he, uh, when he left, like, a couple years ago, like, last season, the drop-off was noticeable Very on the noticeable. team. Yep, yeah, I mean, not having a guy on that, that main line that could help out Taves with, you know, some of that heavy lifting of two-way play. Yeah. The, you know, like you said, the drop-off was, it was staggering. And, you know, I think we're still seeing the consequences of that. I mean, you know, yeah, our defense pairings are very weak right now, but the amount of plays against top competition where, you know, the Blackhawks would lose the puck in their offensive zone and the other team would go, you know, would turn around and go the other way and Hosa would bust his ass and uh, on the back check and catch up to somebody in the neutral zone and eliminate the threat right then and there before the other team even got into the offensive zone. That is so huge when you're facing, you know, you know, you pick up, you know, a game like the Blue Jackets from the other night where we lost where, you know, those Panarin and some of those guys, you know, they get in the puck and there wasn't a lot of resistance in the neutral zone as they were coming, coming out of their own end and they would be able to get into the Hawks zone with speed. And Hosa was a guy that was just such a master at taking angles and, you know, willing to put the effort in to chase those plays down 
And we just, we don't have that guy right now. Yeah. Well, uh, enough of our Marion host of love, I guess it's uh, mm-hmm. under the preview for just two games this week. Um, yeah, but they're both very big games. As we've talked about, they play um, Friday night, 6.30 Central Time start, which is, I'm not sure what the reason for that is, but uh, against, um, as you say, against, against the Avalanche. And then Sunday afternoon, uh, 2 p.m. Central Time start at home against the Dallas Stars, who, you know, I, I don't want to brag about myself here that I was, but I did say, I don't know about the Stars, and I don't think they've won a game since I said that. Yeah, I guess well, only two behind them. Way to put the jinx on them. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was definitely more in the boat that they were probably going to be able to fend off any competition. But yeah, they have fallen right back into the pack with the Avalanche and the Hawks, and um, you know some of these other teams fighting for that last spot. So you know, even if we do end up dropping the game to Colorado, that Dallas game doesn't lose any significance at all. These are four gigantic points up for grabs and it would be very, very, very beneficial for the Hawks to be able to take at least one of these two games in regulation to not allow, you know, not allow these games to be three point games. Yeah. And it also, I mean, obviously, the, the defense is going to have to find some way. I don't know how, but they're going to have to tighten up somehow because these are two teams that can score, especially the Stars. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not a savior or anything, but it would certainly help if we could get Brent Seabrook back in just because it would at least eliminate one of the complete and utter liabilities that we have been icing. So that would definitely be a boon. Um but I haven't, I haven't, I didn't see anything today about what his availability is. I mean, he did not travel to Detroit, but they didn't say if that was just because, you know, he obviously wasn't, it was just a one game road trip, obviously. Um, but yeah, I have not seen anything about availability for, for tomorrow night in Colorado or uh, tomorrow night at home against Colorado. Yeah. I mean, other thing. These are both at home. We gotta, you know, you, yes. you gotta capitalize on this chance. Yes, and they um, they still have two more games after this with the Stars. So they're going to play yeah. the Stars a few times. Yep. And, yeah, um, you know, they could use that. Of course, uh, we didn't mention uh, Drake Kajula got, like, a high stick during the game and the first period and didn't come back. So we don't know yeah. what his status is either. Yeah, apparently it was an eye injury. So that's, the you know, that's always scary. Um, but... You know, usually if it's super, super serious, you would get, you know, you'd, you'd hear something that he went to the hospital or whatever, and you, they would have given updates during the game. But so I, the no news, what I think is probably good news on that. I'm assuming he probably just had some stitches and, you know, hopefully he's back available, you know, for, for tomorrow night. Um, Cause that's, that, that would be a big blow. Um, Cause that would force sod back up into the top six and then, you know, you're talking about the bottom six not having any offensive threats. You know, basically, so uh, that's yeah. that's big. Yeah. So I guess we'll just close by saying, like, you know, we've said all year that they they might not be good, but they're exciting. And actually, I'm thinking that's still true. I mean, 
I don't know what to make of this team. They're good, but they're bad. They're good they're, offensively. They're, yes. they're an entertaining offensive team that is a complete sieve defensively. I, they're, you know, they're, they're getting outshot and outchanced in basically every single game. It's just, they've been able to overcome it in certain stretches because the guys that they have taking shots happen to be, you know, guys like Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinkit, who are two of the best goal scorers in the league, and they're capitalizing on those chances. Yep, and it's certainly not boring. Not boring. They're not good, but they are not boring. And you know, have them make the playoffs. See what happens. You never know. Then it w- it would be fun. Yep. And on that note, I guess uh, as always, um, sth eighty five on Twitter. And Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look for the emergency goalies. We'll be right there. And we'll be back uh, next week, hopefully, after the Blackhawks stay in the stay in playoff position. But time will tell.